Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port here on 970 AM 93.1 FM. Natil, good afternoon. How the hell are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing great. It's good to be with you. It it's, it's just, it's been nice having you back this week. It really has. I missed being at work. I missed, you know, hanging out with you. I missed hanging out with Sandy. I missed just being able to do things. Speaking you of have- Sandy. Oh, Sandy. She's leaving us. It's very sad. It is. It is. I, you know, Sandy, Sandy and I do not see eye to eye on, on politics. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people who, who make up their minds uh, about people based on that. And that's unfortunate because uh, Sandy is a, a wonderful, gracious, very nice person who is wrong about just about everything politically. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I like Sandy a lot. I'm very sorry to see her go. Um, my, my show, this show will be expanding. Um, we'll be starting this show earlier. So I'm, I'm thankful to have more broadcast time. You know, we'll be starting at noon and and running the two every day, but, um, you know, I mean, that's a bittersweet thing because I don't, you know, sad to see Sandy go, but she's uh, on to to bigger and better things. And I, I think that, uh, it's always fun to turn a new chapter in life, but yeah, I'm excited. Uh, this show starting at noon every day and it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course you can subscribe to the podcast. If you go to sayanythingblog.com. Uh, you can find the Rob Report link, and you can get all the info uh, on subscribing uh, via the podcast there. You can listen. If you can't listen live, you can listen anytime. Um, Congressman Kevin Kramer joining us today, as he does on Wednesdays, most Wednesdays, to take your calls, take your questions. If you have questions out there, you can certainly call in. 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Um, and then for now, right now, I want to talk a little bit, Natil, about this, uh, this alleged hate crime, which happened in, um, in South Fargo. The car vandalism? That's right. Um, and, and the thing is, I mean, it's, it's, it's an ugly incident. Uh, apparently, uh, and I'm reading from the WDAY television report, um, in the parking lot of a South Fargo apartment building, a Somali man said his car was broken into an animal feces spread all over it. Now, whoever did this is a moron. I mean, a disgusting thing to do. Why would you do that to somebody's car? Just just absolutely bogus baloney. The comment that I want to make, though, is that you have a lot of people out there already jumping to the idea that this is a hate crime. Um, and and this, this is what bothers me. Because first of all, what evidence do we have that it was a hate crime outside of the identity of the victim? Right? I mean, what... What, what do we know about it that allows us to conclude that this was a hate crime? And, I mean, t- t- to me, uh, the answer is nothing. We don't know anything yet. Now, this is still being investigated. And the police prudently are holding off calling it a, a, a race, uh, you know, a hate crime or, or suggesting that it was motivated in any way by, by religion or, or skin color or anything like that. Um, and, and that's prudent of them. They should hold back on that because there's no evidence that those things were a factor yet, and we shouldn't jump to conclusions based on the victim's identity. And it, what, what, what bothers me about it is that we're in a situation where we have, obviously, a very heated political atmosphere. We have people who very much want to create hate crime legislation in North Dakota. And I think the problem is, is, is people want to jump to conclusions about this. And, and that, to me, it's unwarranted. And, and, and to me, I, I think the situation sort of illustrates 
the problem with quote-unquote hate crime policy in the first place because essentially what it does is it defines the seriousness of a crime based on the identity of the victim, right? I mean, that's essentially what we're doing here. We're saying, well, the victim of this crime, this crime of, of vandalism and I suppose breaking and entering or whatever, uh, whatever other crimes may have been committed here, certainly crimes have been committed, we're deciding the seriousness of that situation based on the identity of the victim. Now, just from a justice standpoint, I, I mean, that doesn't sit well with me. A, a crime is a crime is a crime. Uh, a crime against me, a white man, shouldn't be any more or less serious than a crime against an Asian man or a Muslim man or a Jewish man or, or, or any other demographic that, that you care to mention. We should all be equal under the law, and I don't think hate crime legislation accomplishes that. The other problem is, too, the complexity of, of trying to discern somebody's motivations in a crime like this it's not easy and that was actually something to do remember we had our guest on yesterday aaron burst with the north dakota uh, state's attorney association himself a former prosecutor talking about the difficulty i mean already when you have a crime you have to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt right we all know that that's civics 101 that's the legal standard in the united states of america you are presumed innocent until your guilt is proven beyond a reasonable doubt, right? But if we bring a hate crime situation into this, now authorities who are, are gathering the evidence and doing the interviews and, and leveling the charges and then ultimately litigating those charges in court, they are tasked not just with proving that you committed the crime, but an additional factor that you were motivated by some sort of, of a bigoted uh, animus towards the person's race or religion or sexual orientation or, or any of that list of, of things. And that complicates it. I mean, th that really sort of makes it less likely that you're going to get this conviction, right? I, I mean, I, I think generally what, what we heard Mr. Burst say yesterday is that prosecutors would, would prefer just general laws. Just general laws. Vandalism is illegal. Breaking into cars is illegal. Assaulting people is illegal. And then just treat everybody equally under the law. What is so bad about that? So that's my question for you. A, do you think we're jumping to conclusions about this incident in South Fargo? Because I think we are. And I think it's unwarranted, and I think it illustrates the problem with hate crime legislation in general. Two, do we really need hate crime legislation? Is it fair? Is it something, do you think, that will deter crime in North Dakota? And I don't, I don't think that's true either. Any more than, than the death penalty uh, deters crime. I think, it's, I, think, I think hate crime legislation, like the death penalty, is policy that makes us feel good, right? It, it's policy that allows us to sort of virtue signal or, or send messages that we want to send that we're tough on crime or tough on hate and bigotry. But as a practical matter of law... Do they accomplish the things that the people who support these policies set out? And I think the answer to that, and we look at places where these policies have been enacted, is no, they do not. Love to hear what you think. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob Report here on 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. Starting next week, running noon to 2. Let's uh, go to the calls. Uh, by the way, 701-293-9000 if you want to join in. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, let's see. Caller, Karen, you're up. Yes, I agree with uh, more punishment for hate crimes because those are the categories that are who are more likely to be crime victims. Now, we may get to the point after a few years that the one who's most likely to be targeted for a crime is a 30-year-old white, healthy male. Well, that may be. Uh, listen, Karen, where... Can you name for me one? Most states in, in America have hate crime legislation. Can you point to me to one state where instituting hate crime legislation has reduced these sorts of crimes? Okay, I don't keep track of those kind of statistics. Okay. But I'm just saying that I agree with hate crime le- legislation. See, I think that's the problem, though, is, is that we're pushing for this legislation, which our law enforcement you know, officials and, and, and our prosecutors are telling us are going to complicate things. I, I haven't spoken with defense attorneys, but I'm pretty sure they're not real happy about it either. And so the legal industry is saying, no, this this complicates things. But meanwhile, the political folks are all saying, oh, I like this. Uh, you know, this will this, you know, and, and I think it's really it's, it's not really about producing a practical outcome, which would be reducing, you know, deterring crime. Uh, then it is that it is making a political point. If you were a Muslim from Africa, you might be very happy that uh, people are punished extra if they commit a crime. If I was a Muslim from Africa, I think I would want to implement policy that actually works and makes people safer. Okay, I don't know exact details on statistics. I'm just well, see, that's the problem. Is nobody nobody's talking about statistics. Nobody's looking at other states that have implemented this sort of policy and asking, has it worked? Because I'm telling you, if you drill down and you look at it. It hasn't worked. It's like the death penalty. It doesn't deter anything. Well, I think it does. Okay. Well, what you're not basing that on anything because you just told us you don't have any statistics. Thanks for the call, Karen. Appreciate it. Let's keep moving. Uh, caller, Hal, you're up. Hey, Rob. I was kind of wondering, are they able to take uh, DNA off of the evidence? Uh, well, it's, it's, as far as, well, from what I understand, it's animal feces, so I don't know how much that would help us. Oh, animal. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't catch that. I that's that's my understanding is that it's animal feces. Now, whatever whatever other uh, evidence that they've gathered, you know, I, I really don't know. I, I can't answer the specifics for that. Yeah, you know, everybody seems like they're willing to jump and, uh, you know, make, uh, you know, accusations here or there, and, you know, until you find a particular person or if it's an inside job to set up, you know, yeah. that, uh, of course we need this type of legislation, you know, nobody really knows. I mean, it, you know, I, I don't know a single soul around here that do things like that. That doesn't yeah. mean they won't, and, you know, strange things happen. But, well, here's uh, here's here's the thing about it. I mean, to me, it, it seems that if, if, if somebody wants to stand up and say, we need this new law, right, to me, right. it's incumbent it's incumbent upon them to make the case for that law, right? It's not incumbent oh, yeah. upon me to prove that we don't need the law. Right. The burden of proof is on the person proposing the law, proposing that we use the government's awesome power of legislation to change the rules that we all have to live under. 
So before we do that, I think the person who is proposing the changes or the people or the groups who are proposing the changes, they have to make the case. And the only thing I'm really hearing from them is, well, gosh, wouldn't it feel nice if North Dakota had hate crime legislation? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that just make us all feel better? Because what they're not showing us is that this sort of thing reduces these sort of crimes. And, and I really, I mean, think about it. If you're the sort of moron, right, if, if you're the sort of mouth-breathing degenerate who is going to go and, and put animal feces in some poor guy's car, are you really gonna? Are you really thinking that's the sort of person who's intelligent enough to sit down, uh, to, 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 to sit down and uh, you know consider? Well, I, I better not do this because uh, the the it might be considered a hate crime. I, I just don't think that that the the, the sort of zealots and, and morons who are going to do that sort of thing. I just don't think they're going to make that calculation. I just don't. And it seems like they'd probably be this type of person who would end up doing it again sometime and all of a sudden they get caught whether it's by people that they uh supposedly don't like or whatever and you know could be in a heap big trouble one way or the other uh you know it just you know the whole thing is beyond belief and like you say you know this feel goodism legislation you know, can okay, we're yeah. You know, pretty, I, I, pretty soon, uh, pretty soon, we're going to have so much legislation. How much of it will be enforceable? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think that's a really good point, Hal. Thanks for the call. I, I, I think how how this law is enforced is is a a very good, a very serious question. As a practical matter, when you're trying to implement this policy in the criminal justice system. Is it going to be workable? And and I, what the prosecutors are saying is no. It's going to make prosecution harder. Uh, what law enforcement is saying is no. It's going to make our jobs tougher because now not only do we have to gather evidence to prove that the actual crime was committed, but now we have to gather evidence as to the mo- and prove a motivation as well. Uh, you know, so I mean that's problematic. And then there's also the fact that I I just don't think bigoted morons who are going to commit hate crimes are going to commit crimes of hate. That they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna be all that worried about an additional penalty. I just I just don't. I don't think it works. Any any more than the sort of person who commits heinous acts of homicide is all that worried about the death penalty in that situation. I I just I, I understand why people are promoting this. It it feels good, it's virtue signaling. And listen, we're all against bigotry. We're all against idiots doing this sort of thing. Right, attacking somebody because of their skin color—that's disgusting. Vandalizing somebody's property because they might be a homosexual—that's horrendous. That's horrible. But again, if we're going to promote policy, then the policy should be effective. And if we can't demonstrate that the policy is effective, that we put it in place and it accomplishes the things we say it's going to accomplish, then what are we doing? What are we accomplishing? Other than junking up our criminal justice system, uh, jumping up our junking up our criminal code, which frankly is already too complex. Emailer Mona asks, uh, Rob, so is the vandalism at Nativity Church considered a hate crime? And if caught, should the perpetrators be charged with a hate crime? That's a good question. Because if you're going to have these hate crimes on the books, well, then that blade's going to cut both ways. It should. But I don't know. I just think we ought to treat all people equally under the law and shouldn't take in things like skin color, gender, religion, or anything like that into account. 
But that's just me. I'm old-fashioned. More to come straight ahead. Congressman Kevin Kramer joining us. You can call in and ask him whatever you want. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Or certainly email your questions in, too. Talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Rob Port here on 970 WDY AM and 93.1 FM. Congressman Kevin Kramer joining us now. 701-293-9000. If you want to call, you can ask any questions you want. 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, that's why we have him on every week. He's your congressman. And, well, you got questions, so you can ask him what you want to ask him. <laughs> or advice. Congress- Rob, yeah, I or, like or, advice too. or advice, movies to see, <laughs> restaurants to try. <laughs> sure. Do it all. You uh, seen any good movies lately? Good movies. Um, I have. I saw Chris and I went to. Um, you would go to it? All Saints. The All oh. Saints loved it. I encourage everybody to go to All Saints. It's a true story. I don't, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, like Stephen King. Did you see it? No, I did not no. see it. Didn't see it. Okay, that's a smart decision, Congressman. <laughs> Thank you. I, well, occasionally, I make one. Now, Natalia, did you not like the movie? I'm scared to go see it, Rob. Well, it's scary. I don't know. It's it is. I, it's good. I liked it. All right. Well, that's not what we had the Congressman on to talk about movies. Um, tell us about this health care bill in the Senate. Are, are we going to get anywhere with this, or is this another? I think people are getting tired of this. We have these big. Somebody comes up with a big idea. We have this rigmarole. Are we going to get the votes? Are we not going to get the votes? And then. It just seems like Republicans fall on their face over and over again. Is it going to happen this time? I don't know. I mean, as you know, this one's a little different than the last one, and that this one's starting in the Senate, um, as opposed to you know us, the House passing its repeal and sending it over there. But you know, it, it sounds like it, it sounds like Mitch McConnell's announced he's going to call for a vote next week, which is always interesting. That's when it's risky. That it takes a lot of confidence to to say you're calling for a vote. Now, he might be playing a little bit of poker with, um, you know, a couple of Republicans in this conference, but they have to be awfully close for him to call for a vote, or at least announce a vote. Now, if we're going to have a vote, it has to be next week because it has to be done by September 30th. But it does seem it does seem that, you know, the closer you get to that September, September 30th deadline, which is really important because that's when budget reconciliation disappears because we're into a new budget cycle, and that means we you know, can't pass something with 50 votes in the Senate. Um, the closer we get to that, the less, you know, the, the the more urgent it becomes, but also the more bin- binary the decision becomes. So if you're somebody like Rand Paul, who has very good reasons to be concerned about this bill, it's not, a, it's not as full a repeal as he would like. It maintains a lot of the Obamacare taxes. Um, but when it comes down to it's either this or status quo, you know, does Rand Paul look at it and go, given that those are my only two options, I'm a yes vote? I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that, Rob. But this one feels like it, it could happen. We'll see. If it comes over to the House, we'll have probably a matter of hours or a day or two at the most to decide whether to vote up or down. It won't be well, a situation I, where we can so, amend it. So so I think that's the important question is, is, is not just, you know, can this get through the Senate? Can this get through the House? And I, I understand the bill as it's proposed now may probably isn't going to be the bill that arrives in the House. But, I mean, first of all, What's your take on it? How are you feeling about it? And yeah. then how do you think your colleagues are going to feel? Yeah. Actually, um, I think my colleagues feel feel like they could support it. If it 
comes over, I believe we will vote for it. We'll vote on it, and I believe we'll vote for it. There'll be no chance to amend it. There'll be no chance to conference it. There's just not enough time to do that. So it'll be a very binary choice, and I think given a binary choice between Obamacare remaining as it is or a repeal, re- remember, this. while this doesn't repeal most of the taxes, it does repeal the individual and the employer mandate. That is the heart of Obamacare. And the individual mandate, without the individual mandate, you at least take a single-payer system off the table. And um, and then it block grants the, the bulk of the money that's currently being spent by the Obamacare exchanges out of the federal government. It block grants it to states. And uh, that's certainly a more, you know, more acceptable uh, policy than, uh, than one-size-fits-all centralized bureaucracy. We got a caller. John wants to ask you a question. Go ahead, John. Hey, John. Good afternoon, Congressman. And might I say that you're the only one from North Dakota that's always accessible to us, the public, and I always give you credit for that, Kevin. I appreciate that. Thank you. So let me ask you, you know, and I know I sound like a broken record on H.R. 38, you know, moving the concealed carry reciprocity forward. But what does it really take in Congress to move a bill forward? I'm not, you know, really mm. hip on the whole political process. Yeah. You might you know, be a little more hip than you think you are. Um so what it takes is, it. the bottom line is it takes it becoming a priority of the chairman of the committee of jurisdiction, to get right to the point. And in this it case, be Bob Goodlatte in this case. It's Bob Goodlatte. And I, Chris and I just spent a couple of days with Bob and his wife, uh, Mary Ellen, in uh, Virginia last weekend. And Bob has said that he will bring this up for uh, hearing and for markup in the, the Judiciary Committee this conference, this Congress. So, you know, that's of course this year and next year. Um, at one point, he was even saying by the end of this year. So, I I didn't confront him about it this weekend, but um, he has committed to doing doing exactly that. So, we're we're going to remain hopeful and we'll keep his feet to the fire on it. Now, there are other factors. You can force the issue with 218, you know, petitioners and things like that, but. It really, it really has to be a priority for the chairman, and you have to have, of course, the the time to commit to it on the calendar itself. And this early, that should not be a problem. And and that's why I was just kind of curious, you know, because I mean, the way I look at things as a layman is I, I, you know, I I saw it introduced back in January, right, and then I watched it just basically in my eyes, it was languishing, you know, in a in, I agree. in a committee, yes, and. And, and, and that I guess that's where you know sometimes the public you know we don't always understand all the you know internal workings as to what it takes you know to to, to move it forward you know does it take us you know pressuring you on a regular basis and or you know other coast co spots yeah no John you, first of all you're 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 being very diplomatic today and I <laughs> because uh, the, the honest truth of the matter is you're right to be skeptical um, this this bill could have been brought up sooner than this. Now, I don't know the entire the entirety of the portfolio in the Judiciary Committee. The Judiciary Committee has a lot of jurisdiction, but a lot of the, its jurisdiction has to do with immigration, and I know Bob's got a whole host of immigration bills in front of him, um, sort of single-issue immigration bills. But but your skepticism is, is appropriate. Um, is he really that committed to it? I think he is. He is. He knows because you pressure me and I pressure him, and there's a whole bunch of you and a whole bunch of me get you know in that value chain, uh, both on his committee and in the in the Republican conference. Um, so it all pays off. It's all part of the process to to help help the chairman determine his own priorities. Sometimes, so keep calling. It's just fine. Well, and 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 again, Kevin, this is why I've always given you credit. You know that 
about your accessibility because I feel that sometimes it, it, it makes it easier for the layman to understand exactly what the heck is going on out there a little bit, you know, so maybe we're not always quite so hostile about it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you, you've got it out, John. I can assure you, you've got it figured out. We appreciate uh, it. Uh, thanks for the call, John. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, you have a, uh, a few minutes left to uh, call in, ask the congressman a question. Uh, Kevin, what is, as John says, you know, keeping us up to date on mm-hmm. uh, what's going on out in Congress, uh, what is going on in the House these days? Yeah, so right now uh, there's a lot of focus on, um, b- besides this Graham-Cassidy health care bill that we're all focused on, there's a lot of focus in the House on tax reform. So there's a, a, a lot of emphasis, a lot of meetings, a lot of hearings, a lot of dinners. I mean, everybody's talking about tax reform, and it's all productive work, Rob. It's, um, for example, I had you know met with Kevin Brady, the chairman of the uh, Ways and Means Committee, to talk specifically about stepped-up basis. Now, he gets pretty wonky, but, but tax reform is complicated for a reason. And so, you know, the repeal of the, the estate tax or the death tax is a high priority for the president, high priority for the House Republicans, um, high priority for Senate Republicans. But, you know, while farmers want to eliminate the death tax, they want to make sure they can continue to add value, that their their property continues to add value in the marketplace, and so we want to make sure they maintain stepped-up basis. These, these kinds of discussions go on um, with with the chairman and the uh, committee members on a very regular basis. So there's a lot of emphasis on that, both in the micro level and at the macro level in in the House right now. So if I was to say what's the you know what are the top three priorities right now in the House of Representatives, it'd be those three things. Uh, more under the radar, you know, the Agriculture Committee has begun to work on the Farm Bill, the, the next Farm Bill, which the current Farm Bill expires at the end of September of next year, and so there's an early start to that. They've already had some hearings in the Ag Committee. We've had listening sessions that I've participated in, and um, we're starting to – they're actually starting to draft that bill. So that's consumed a lot of, uh, of my attention and my, my staff's work well, as well. I, obviously, there's, a lot of, there's always a lot of attention on the farm bill here in North Dakota because is, agriculture yeah. is, is uh, our, historically our most important industry. Um, and obviously, though, I mean, right now we've had a, a very ugly drought. In fact, I, I just heard my uh, – our mutual friend Don Wag- Dan Wagsland from the North Dakota Grain Growers Association, you know, talking about how bad it is, particularly acute in Western North Dakota, but really a regional problem. Um, I mean, what what sort of provisions c- could be in the farm bill to, to address what what we've just gone through? Which which, frankly, I mean, I, I think some people think it's well, it's just it just impacts the one growing season, and and really it doesn't. Something like this has a domino effect; it can affect multiple years. Is there any way to address this in, in a farm bill? And yeah, no, it's a very good point because it's a real test of the, the value of the most fundamental safety net in the farm program, and that, of course, is crop insurance. Um, and I'd say the, the nice thing about the drought in terms of a multi, it being a multiple-year event is I think we've avoided that this year. It appears that, you know, for the smaller grains that Dan represents, um, you know, the wheat and, and, and barley and those kinds of things, it's you know the rain came too late to be helpful um but we did get rain and it does appear that we've at least broken the cycle of drought so that hopefully we're not going to have a multi-year drought this time so it will be a test of the of the the safety net but i think the safety net's going to work pretty well frankly um i do think though that that it also tests some other things related more importantly to to um animal agriculture livestock the livestock forage protection 
uh, program, things like that, where we've seen some flaws that they don't work quite right, and we need to we can tweak some things in the farm bill based on on that. So um, yeah, there, you know, there's it identifies flaws, but it also shows what's what's working. Um, with regard to the drought, though, one thing I would have to say is that this USDA has been as responsive or more responsive than any that I've ever remembered in in terms of. Uh, how quickly it knocked down some of the regulations, opened up, uh, you know, conservation reserve program land and other lands for uh, for both grazing and haying. They did it in record time while avoiding litigation. Uh, th- those things are not small issues when you have contracts with the federal government to not grow something, you know, and and not farm it. Um, but Sonny Purdue, who I had a long conversation with just last week on the phone on on a particular issue uh, was just has been so tr- tremendous and responsive and so has the you know most of the professional staff as well the career staff a lot of times the career bureaucrats get a bad rap rob but i have to say with the usda by and large they've been very good and very responsive through this drought well that's good to hear congressman thanks for your time as always always a pleasure thanks rob congressman kevin kramer more to come straight ahead 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 don't touch that dial Bet the other kids. Yeah, it's a real cool club, and you're not part of it. Welcome back, Rob Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. If you hadn't heard the news, announced it a little bit earlier in the program. Uh, Sandy Buttweiler, our uh, my you know friend, colleague, moving on, which is uh, which is bittersweet. But that means this show will begin uh, next week, starting on the twenty seventh. Uh, we'll begin at noon and run to two. And Natil, frankly, I'm a little excited. Yeah, I, I kind of am too. Although it does mean that I have to work with you for another hour every day. Oh man, <laughs> what did I ever do to you? Nothing at all, actually. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's gonna be it's gonna be really great. Um, you'll have an extra hour. McFeely's getting an extra half hour, and yeah, uh, they're they're sticking Capel in the morning show with me and Johnson. That's a good place for him. <laughs> you think so? I, think I don't know. Be, I don't. I don't. I don't know what I mean by that. I think it'll be fun. I think it's gonna. <laughs> I think be a it will fun. be. No, I think so too. I think it's uh, so big changes. I you know it's exciting. Uh, and again, sad to see Sandy move on. Talented lady. You know, wonderful broadcaster. Um, you know, but. Things change, you know, the world evolves and uh, we are, uh, you know, it's it's going to be fun. It's a fun opportunity. I'm really looking forward to it. If you want to call in, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, got a few minutes left. Um, I, like I said, just sort of putting the uh, period at the end of the sentence on this this hate crime thing. You know, it's it, it's amazing to me how many people are out there crowing about what happened in South Fargo and, and, and jumping to the conclusion that it was a hate crime knowing absolutely nothing about who perpetrated the crime or why. And and people like me who are saying, well, hold up now. We don't necessarily know what the motivation was, just based on nothing other than the identity of the victim. Um, you know, we're being accused of, of suggesting that it's a hoax or something like that. And I'm not saying that. I don't have any evidence that it's a hoax any more than I have evidence uh, that it's a hate crime. What I'm saying is I don't know, and neither do you. You don't know either. And maybe we should stop jumping to conclusions because it's not helpful. And also, if we're going to propose hate crime legislation, A, we should make sure that the cases we're using to demonstrate the need for that sort of law are, in fact, hate crimes, which we don't know 
about this case out of out of South Fargo yet with the, uh, the the animal feces being smeared inside the car. We don't know yet. But B, the people who are making that claim have got to start demonstrating that that those laws actually work, that they actually reduce hate crimes. Because I've been out looking for it. I've been trying to find it. And there is a coalition of people on both the right and the left, really sort of sort of bipartisan, a bipartisan consensus in some ways that they don't work. That in fact they make getting convictions harder. We'll keep up the discussion on that because I have a feeling that discussion doesn't go anywhere, going anywhere anytime soon. Jay Thomas show coming up next. You can always catch me here Monday through Friday, one to two p.m. Of course, starting next week it'll be twelve to two. Or, of course, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at SayAnythingBlog.com, North Dakota's most popular political blog. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Like